They're trying to train the body's immune system to target the right part of the virus because getting it wrong can be dangerous. We know that historically with coronaviruses that if you do vaccinate with the wrong kind of vaccine, for instance in domestic cats who have a similar viral infection, that you can make the disease more severe. Welcome to the Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Saturday, August 27th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. I have a very truncated show. had a lot planned actually today and just many different reasons I had to break this down into what I thought was the most important point today. And it's going to focus on one study, one peer-reviewed study from one of the most highly regarded peer-reviewed publication locations out there and it's exactly what we've been telling you also based on science but this just bolsters that point that these things are suppressing your immune system and making every other thing you can imagine i shouldn't say it like that but it's very a broad range of problems much much worse including exacerbating things that you might have already had or suppressed problems that might be resurfacing because of this thing on and on and on And this is at a time when it's not even, I mean, in the corporate discussion now, they're slowly starting to eke the story through. And of course, you know, it's Trump's fault now, which, by the way, was something we called in the very beginning of all this. Not not that I should have to point that out, but in any number of ways, myself and a lot of people, by the way, before 2020 even pointed out that Trump, at least a possibility, was that Trump was being allowed to be there like we saw from the WikiLeaks emails between Clinton's group and, and who they were emailing about making sure Trump was on that final stage. We've all heard this. Some people like to believe it's because she thought she'd be a shoe in if that was the case. Starting to seem a little bit more like the like the former, right? The reality that this person was put in that position, allowed to think he was put there or uh, knows he was put there. You decide for yourself so that everything could be blamed on him. The collapse of the economy, the destruction of our society, the the nationalism, rising white supremacy and everything else under the sun that is being laid at his feet. I wrote an entire article about this. So now here we are, we're at a point where, oh my God, everything's being blamed. It's all breaking news on Tucker Carlson and everything else about the party paradigm side being allowed to talk about this today. And we need to see that for what it is, whether you think he's aware of that or not. The reality is that these things are being allowed to be discussed now. The data around the points about excess death, all-cause mortality, the vaccine risks, have we've been banging away at this for two plus years. Not because we were guessing, but because the information and the data and the science was pointing in that direction and in many cases had proven those things. And only now they're being allowed to be discussed. Now, of course, from the conservative side, it's well, because now they're going to blame Trump and that's been the plan. Well, there's a lot of other people involved than just the parody party paradigm perception. And a lot of the people on opposite sides were doing opposite things. And it just gets ridiculous when you try to couch it into the party paradigm. Well, I mean, aside from the fact that Trump is, by the way, still right now promoting the vaccine and telling you you should go get it. Doesn't matter how you look at this, guys. We need to stand back and realize that coming out of any corporate channel right now is not going to be a full picture. We just need to accept that. And also, you're also you're going to see a lot of these, you know, what I, what I would call quasi independence or the illusion of independent media being pushed out there. 
new people breaking the censorship and being censored over here, but allowed over here. And they're the new free speech person because can't you tell they're being censored over there? Well, that's never been a solid argument. Like for instance, for instance, just because I'm censored all over does not therefore mean that I'm right. But it's something the party paradigm thinks you think and tries to use that against you all the time. But the point of today is simply going to be a couple points in that regard about the COVID-19 discussion. But the study we're going to look at, the important peer-reviewed evidence that it's producing, and what's still happening while they allow that to be discussed, even if you think that's what's actually happening. Now, a lot more coming in the days to come. Unfortunately, won't be getting to the climate change green police point that I was putting out on Twitter. Just a lot of different things. It's a big topic that I want to give a lot of time to. But on that note, let's start off with one point about censorship, which is kind of where that was coming from in my mind in regard to Rumble. Now, in no way, to be clear, am I suggesting that I know for sure that Rumble is censoring people? I mean, to that point, though, I do know of plenty of people that are arguing that they have already been censored on Rumble and proved that on Twitter and so on. We've talked about it in the past. But maybe things have changed. Who knows? The, the point is that I'm in a position right now where I know for sure that my videos are being demonetized. And I've shown you this before in real time. You can see it for yourself. That just Some of them just happen to be ad-free. That's not something I've chosen. That's something being forced on my videos by Rumble. Weird choices, too. The one about Gaza, Biden's monkeypox emergency from a conservative outlet. It seems like an odd choice, doesn't it? it regardless, I'm not going to try to guess into why. My point is simply that. It happened. So if you're going to take a stance, it's a free speech platform. It's not removing me, but that's not free speech. It's not just kicking people off platforms or the opposite. It's about allowing people to have honest discussions. And in regard to even monetization, like when you're suppressing content in any way, that is part of free speech suppression. That's the whole idea. Now, my point is simply just to be clear about this, that I think that some of these larger platforms are not all they seem that they are all they seem to be. And even some of the other ones, the bottom line is we need to make sure we're thinking about that. Now, I don't know. This could just be a little anomaly. I mean, I would like to argue if that was just a small anomaly, they would have responded in one of my 14 emails that I sent or my three different messages on Twitter or the, any number of different ways I've tried to contact them, not even about censorship, just to go, hey, I'd like to use this platform. I'd like to know more about why my monetization doesn't seem to be working. Here's a video with 600,000 views and it made three cents. Can you explain that to me? No comment. So I'm going to wait and see and find out. That's why I've reached out on Twitter and so on and still haven't gotten response. But watch this video as we see the party paradigm begin to frame them as the new free speech thing. Kind of like the hype we got about YouTube when that first started too. Just think about this as we watch this next clip. Everybody cancels this guy because he's a criminal of some kind, an uncharged criminal. But you charge in and sign him up. Why'd you do that? Well, you know, when you take a look, like right now, if you go to Google and you search Andrew Tate video, you're going to get all the platforms that banned him showing content from him. You're ah, okay, so Andrew Tate, I'm sure you probably saw that coming, right? The, the wildly partisan individual. Now, I'm not even saying anything about his, I don't know that much even about his content. I do know, though, it's a very partisan stance in a lot of ways from what I've seen. I did look. And the idea in regard to why he's being put up on a pedestal for this conversation and rumble again no negative comments about him i'm not even trying to get into that right because it's it's that it, i think the conversation of itself is meant to lead you here just my opinion but why he's being put on that pedestal in this regard because he's been being placed as the new darling in this conversation or any of these number of the clay travis these people that just kind of rise up and become this new like the new rush or the new whatever and they're being placed there whether they know that or not it's very clear how this is being given into this situation now, that's my opinion, of course. I could be wrong, but I'm just pointing out that I think it's interesting that they're trying to make this about this battle for free speech when it's 
not really this larger objective conversation. It's about specific partisan talking points that one side's not allowing them to have. And that, that does matter for free speech. But would they care if the same situation was in reverse? Or how about this? The fact that I'm calling these things out and making these statements, would they care if Rebel kicked me to the side? Of course they wouldn't. That's my opinion, but I think I'm right. I believe that plenty of people that are in this field don't care if somebody that shouts down their people gets quietly pushed to the side. And we see this. We all see it. Those of us that aren't involved in the broken paradigm, we can see that both sides do it back and forth and point at the other one. So just think about that as they point at this as some free speech bastion or bastion of free speech. You're not even going to get the content from him of what he is saying. This is th this goes to that narrative control that he was... His point is about Google. And by the way, that applies to literally anybody right now that's saying anything. So it's kind of weird that they make this point as if it's a shocking idea. Google censoring everybody, censoring a lot of things Tucker says, because he does point out good points. A lot of things that a lot of people say, you won't find my kind. Anyway, it's just, I, it's, I, it's an interesting conversation. Was saying it's very correct. Um, it is completely stacked against him. Um, you can't see what he says. You have no idea what he's talking about because you're only getting what they want you to get. Um, and the only place he is right now to hear him is on Rumble and you can't find it when you search for Andrew Tate video. Is that unique to Andrew Tate? It's not. Try James Corbett. Try any number of people that have been there way longer than Andrew Tate. My point is why they're making this out to be him and his thing is because they want this to be the new rising up. Look, he's being censored, therefore give him more attention, which is not actually what should you should look at his content and come to your own conclusions about it. And that, that's a huge problem. And what we're standing up for at Rumble is allowing people to say whatever they want, whether we disagree or agree with what they're saying. Except for, you know, demonetizing videos like mine and, and suppressing things and censoring some videos that I've seen proven, you know, so you, you just can't stand there and make those kind of statements when you're not actually doing that, even in a small fraction, even to a small degree. I'm not talking about some small, at, you know, uh, uh, terms of service thing where they do write down that this will be deleted. If this I'm not getting response, things that are happening to me have no bearing, no email, no discussion. So come on, this doesn't make sense to me. Just I mean, this is my point, though. A lot of people are going to hate that I'm saying this. I'm just pointing out what I see in front of me. You guys can decide what you think this means. But if you're seeing this kind of stuff, remember, this is where YouTube started. The demonetization of videos and everybody dismissed it. Oh, you probably did something wrong. But now we can look back and see that it was a building problem, right? And who made them do that? Is Rumble just arbitrarily deciding to do that? No, there's got to be some mechanism by which they're saying, okay, that one's not okay for advertisers. And here we go again frustrated and right. i think that's a fundamental right that we have to give to to everybody in america that is like what no no i'll take that back you don't give people their rights guys and this is one of these weird frustrating points of which the partisan all they don't they don't this puts them in a position not these two specifically but the government of either side in a position where they grant you your rights when they say things like that your rights are inherent god-given to free speech and otherwise these companies get to choose to acknowledge them or not that's the reality or the governments that are behind them. Our democracy stands on. Well, that's what the country was founded on, of course, was freedom of conscience and freedom of speech. Um, really quick. Mm -hmm. They told you, they told everybody that this guy was just completely off limits. He's a criminal. And anyone who would watch this is also a criminal. Were you intimidated at all when you publicly came out and said, I'm signing him up? No, I, I'm not going to get bullied like that. It, if you see what's happening right now on the internet, this is transcending politics. A lot of Rumble's growth came from yeah. politics, but now we're transcending politics. Come on. I mean, really? I mean, I don't even... Transcending politics? I mean, guys, this is the ridiculous part about all this. Now, 
as this as I wrote down uh, that I just put that in there. You're demonetizing my videos right beneath it. I just want to point out what Slow News Day had to say. It's different because with Rumble, while you're still being demonetized for reporting accurately, you can say mean things about Democrats. And that's really the only reason 99.9% of the audience is there. Now, he's making a joke. But it's a joke with some level of truth to it. And that's the problem here is that that's not politically motivated. Come on, guys. I don't know why we can't see. Now, I'm just I'm saying this generally. I know everybody that follows this is not most is anchored in the two party paradigm. I hope not. But my God, if we can't see past this, guys, I don't know how we're ever going to see past the rest of it. Just got to point that out. Now, let's jump into the most important point of this today. And this is the kind of stuff that we're trying to get people to see. Not now, not, you know. A year from now when the bigger channels talk about it, but right now when it's there, when it's important now, right? The excess death problem has been there for a, for a year and the information about these things being problematic have been there for a very long time. You know, it's not, we need to have an honest conversation. The honest conversation needed to be had two years ago. That's what we're talking about. And this was posted on June, 2022, June it is a peer-reviewed study on Science Direct. And just to show you this, just in case people don't know, Science Direct is the world's premier platform of peer-reviewed science literature, or at the very least, that's what they call themselves. It's a peer-reviewed platform, and it's highly regarded. And sometimes, you know, people refer to it sometimes as at least severe Science Direct. Hey, this is an important discussion. Innate immune suppression by SARS-CoV-2 mRNA vaccinations. The role of G quadruplexes exosomes, which we've talked about many times in the past, which really quickly got dismissed in the beginning and microRNAs and how that plays a role. Now, here's just the highlights. mRNA vaccines promote sustained synthesis of SARS-CoV-2 spike protein. So it continues to create spike proteins in your body. The spike proteins being, they write neurotoxic, cytotoxic, if we're discussed in the past dangerous for you and don't forget their lie and again lie because they knew this wasn't true when they told you the lie it doesn't just sit in your arm it doesn't just produce one and go away it continues to produce and it continues to circulate so how could they know that and now we know they knew that we all know it now and it's quick and, and yet we're still we there's still max ban, main dates in some places you still got the who pushing shots you still have them pushing the next shot how in the world are we still here? And, oh, that's right. The two-party paradigm. I, sorry, I jumped the gun. The guy, you guys know where we're going with this. It's frustrating, and we keep seeing it. If we have it in front of us, we all see the information. The only thing stopping it is the idea, the illusion, that there's some debate between the parties. The people see it. It's time for all of us to realize that you're out there. We see it. You're there. We're not alone. We're all together. We can see it. Stand up. I wish I could have some kind of unison thing to where we all just go right now, simultaneously. Everybody stand up and let the people know next to you like we're in an auditorium. And right, you see everybody but four people stand up. That's the kind of image we need to show. Everybody. Not just to, and, and then them pretending like we're on different sides. Nope, that doesn't work when we're all standing together. Going forward, the spike protein is neurotoxic and it impairs DNA repair mechanisms. So not only is it dangerous for you, but it stops your body from helping itself. Suppression of type 1 interferon responses res results in impaired innate immunity. Now, we don't need that proven right now, but this is just more evidence on top of it that very much, in my opinion, proves, including Pfizer's data, their own research, and every other thing, the observational studies, the peer-reviewed studies, the, the, everything we can see in front of us right now suggests very clearly that the immune system is being destroyed by these injections. The need for the booster every three months, the fact that their own research shows that it increases your risk of an illness for the first week, and then you have a negative 75% efficacy. This is Omicron-Pfizer discussion. After three months, 
That's not the vaccine not working. The vaccine did what it did when it went into your body. Your immune system is collapsing. That's what's happening. And the injection gives you a little bit of a kick up and then gets even worse and even worse and even worse. And everybody who has the nerve to to say it is screaming that from the rooftops. Then we have Gert Vandenbosch coming up with his recent discussion, proving it with his own science, that these things that they're putting out next are only going to explode that problem. So it's hard to think that they want anything else to happen if they seem to have at least some understanding of what's happening. But it goes lastly to say the mRNA vaccine potentially vaccines. So any of the mRNA versions potentially cause increased risk to infectious diseases and cancer. Again, backed up by everything else we're seeing, the testimony of the experts and what they're seeing in their practices. I mean, for if I just don't even I can't believe that the people that have access to this information don't realize what's happening. Now, I say it like that because there's a lot of people that just don't see it. Now, you coming up and yelling this at them doesn't change their mind. Even shaking something in front of them, ah, I don't want to see it. La, la, I don't want to know. Oh, my TV told me why that's not supposed to be trusted. Or they explained why there's more to the story. Whatever. Those people are very hard to reach because they are dug in. I've got them in my family. And they're like, no, that's not what the news said. Like, I'm going to show you a meme in a second to make you laugh. That's the problem, though, because the scientific studies that they think they're talking about aren't even what you, you I've talked about this many times. They're talking about the narrative, not what the science actually says. And they're believing they're trusting the science when really they're trusting a narrative. And I'm, we're sharing it, the science, at least one part of it. There's plenty of scientific studies out there. But the frustrating part about it is most people have to be able to have this in front of them because now it's even squeaking out in corporate discussion. So I truly believe and hear me on this again, that most people see what you see. Most of them, I would say a large portion of that grouping is afraid to speak up because they don't want to be ridiculed by those that they might have said something different to a week ago, realizing the masks are hurting them and the vaccines hurting their family. And they were just shouting your neighbor down a moment ago. They might not want to jump into that or they might be afraid because they still think they're the minority and they're going to lose their job. I mean, you, you have to see the picture here. So we're all there already. What do we do? What's the next step? This is just coming off the top of my head. I'm sorry, interrupting the, the study here, but I'm just, it's just so clear to me how we all see this, how everybody out there is watching all this happen. And even the people in the midst of it are now kind of changing their opinion. So what's the next step? What do we do? How do we get that? How do we push past the illusion of the two party part paradigm and them telling you that you're not part of it or they don't agree? I just don't know, but we're right there. We are on the precipice of actually pushing this off the edge. I mean, I just, it's so clear to me. And things like this are just absolutely staggering. I'll, I'll get back to it. Abs abstract. The utilization of mRNA vaccines is in the context of infectious disease has no precedent. The many alterations in the vaccine mRNA hide, the many alterations in the vaccine mRNA hide the mRNA from cellular defenses and promote a longer biological half-life and high production of spike protein. Like, I don't know how in the world that could just accidentally happen. I'm not the expert here, but that sure sounds like an effort. I mean, the reason I say that is because of, if, and I've made this point throughout the whole pandemic illusion. Every single direction you look either accidentally ended up where it hurt you more or they chose that. Every single direction. The mask, increasing your risk of infection, increasing your illness, increasing the everything. Every, you're suppressing your immune system, causing inflammation, causing bacterial pneumonia that has the same symptoms that spreads that can be called COVID. Then you get the lockdowns that increase your risk and everything else around it, everything. And now we're seeing that the injections themselves almost seem tailored to make this happen. Got to start asking these questions, guys. And I'm not saying that's I know for sure, but for crying out loud, when it all points in the same direction, maybe we should at least look in that direction. 
And then it says, however, the immune response to the vaccine is very different from that to a SARS-CoV-2 infection. So just the clear, they're always trying to conflate the idea. Well, well, SARS-CoV-2 is more dangerous. Well, the point here is that it's very different. The same risk in, or the, the same kind of risk from the spike protein and so on. But the way your body's interacting with it because of what they, I argue, what was, has been done to this is very different. It says in this paper, we present evidence that vaccination induces a profound impairment in type one interferon signaling, which has diverse a- adverse consequences to health, human health. Immune cells that have taken up the vaccine nanoparticles, the lipid nanoparticles, release into circulation large numbers of exosomes containing spike protein, along with critical microRNAs that induce a signaling response in recipient cells at distant sites. We also identify potential profound disturbances in regulatory control of protein synthesis and cancer surveillance. These disturbances potentially have a causal link to neurodegenerative disease, myocarditis, immune thrombocytopenia, Bell's palsy, liver disease, impaired adaptive immunity, impaired DNA damage response, and thermogenesis. Now, I mean, don't just take this one study's word for it. By the way, look at the actual research that shows this is very clearly what they're finding, but compare this with all the other peer-reviewed research they just don't want you to see. Like, don't, don't miss that it's been a while since they forced something to be retracted. That just stop. There's a mountain of this stuff coming out right now from all sorts of angles. You can't just have, you can't, if you are retracting 90% of what's coming out, it pretty makes you look pretty stupid. So right now these things haven't been in the beginning. They were acting like it was being retracted because it was the science that was wrong. No, it was the editorial team that was choosing to pull it back because politics. And this has been proven. Dr. Malone spoke up and said, it's unprecedented. It not, not even letting the scientists know it happened. But now these things are coming out. They're peer reviewed and they're just sitting there. They're just not even pointing at it. That is the beginning. That is the beginnings of the, the, the illusion falling apart, but really them, you know, backing into the, into the shed. Like I picture that meme of, of Homer Simpson backing into the bushes. Like they're really hoping that you just don't realize that they are admitting without saying that they've been wrong the entire time. Sort of like the CDC fake mea culpa. Just going to the bottom again, always do your best to read. Now I admittedly tell you that I didn't read this whole thing today but I did go through most of it. And it's really important that you do try to look at the data itself and try to understand what you're seeing. And I know sometimes it's not that simple and that's okay. You don't have to take everything away from this. Just if you walk away with things that you're not under, you confused about, then, then that's where you stand. I read this study. Here's what I think it's getting into, but I don't know for sure. There's some things I don't understand. That's an okay stance to have. The idea that they tell you not to look at it at all because you're too dumb. That's what they want from you. You're not that stupid. You're smart enough to be able to understand far more than they let you think. Now, here's the conclusions. There has been an unwavering message about the safety and efficacy of mRNA vaccinations against SARS-CoV-2 from the public health apparatus in the U.S. and around the globe. The efficacy is increasingly in doubt. As shown in a recent letter even to the Lancet Regional Health by Gunter Kampf, Kampf provided data showing that the vaccinated are now as likely as the unvaccinated to spread disease. You know why you know that already? Because you watch this show. Because I was using science, peer-reviewed science and otherwise, as well as the UK data, the, the Alberta data, the Ontario data, the Scotland data, all of them showing you exactly that for the last six months. Until they stopped, they deleted, or rather just stopped posting it and wouldn't let you see it anymore. Because it was undeniable. It wasn't a majority. It was the risk per 100,000 specifically about who was spreading it. The risk from unvaccinated entirely to triple vaccinated was almost three to four times the risk per 100,000 of, of catching this problem, which means they're the ones then tr- spreading it and catching it amongst themselves predominantly. That's what's causing things to happen. 
And the point is, at the very, if it's as he's saying, as likely, but the actual data in the locations I was showing you shows that it's exponentially higher for them. He says he concluded, quote, it appears to be grossly negligent, understanding that reality, to ignore the vaccinated population as a possible and relevant source of transmission when deciding about public health control measures. I mean, this is one of the most flagrantly unscientific and dangerous, if you believe their narrative, arguments they've ever had. If we know, as they've admitted grudgingly over the over the months, that these people, vaccinated or otherwise, are still spreading this, why in the world was there any differentiation between the way these rules were applied to people and mandates and so on? No, you can only come in if you're vaccinated. Well, they're spreading it more than anybody. Well, just because we like them better. Like, there's no science there. And it's just that embarrassing. Like, that's what people have been saying, including myself, that over the years, if this ever, if we find our way out of this and we don't end up in the technocratic panopticon, people will look back on this situation as one of the most wildly unscientific and one of the best examples of mass psychosis in a long time. Now, it goes on to say, moreover, the inadequacy of phase one, two and three trials to evaluate midterm and long term side effects from mRNA genetic vaccines may have been misleading on their suppressive impact on the innate immunity of the vaccinees. The same point they're making. Then what they're pointing out there is one, that the inadequacy, which is a nice way of saying, at the very least, they're saying that they just didn't do a good job. I think it's pretty clear at this point, we know that this was not an accident, especially since we have people like Brooke Jackson, which I highly recommend her interviews again, where her very first interview about the entire discussion was on The Last American Vagabond. We have two of them with her. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll put it in later. The point is that we, her dis- entire discussion proves to you, at the very least, that Ventavia and Pfizer worked together to hide bad things that were happening there. And proven, not even up for debate, proven. I had the documentation posted on our first interview we did a year ago, however long, long time ago. So they screwed these trials up, I think on purpose, to hide the things they didn't want people to see. They shortened them, they manipulated them. The bottom line is that data, one of the most important things that didn't find its way through, other than that these things were very dangerous for you, is that it it impacts your immune system if you take them, especially if you continue to take them. And also the point he kind of makes in there without saying it is, and which he's, I think that, oh, uh, McCullough is one of the people involved in the study, has been, he's been really drilling in the idea that, they did, and I've been telling you this as well. They they did not even try to look into moderate to severe problems. The only things they tried to look into in these trials were the mild to moderate illnesses and whether the short term reduction. That's from the very beginning, and that's where we're talking about. He keeps making the argument that they don't have any bearing, any argument within this trial data or anything to argue that they know whether it suppresses hospitalization or death. And then we can look at the actual data of the world, and we see that's wildly untrue. In fact, it's the exact opposite. I'll get into that next. In this paper, he says we call attention or they say we call attention to three very important aspects of the safety profile of these vaccinations. First is the extensively documented subversion of innate immunity, which we are seeing everywhere. Now, prepare yourself. This is a, a rough picture to look at, but I just it's not you know necessarily inappropriate, but it's a little bit gross just for what it is. But I want just want to give you a heads up if you want to close your eyes talking about your innate immunity being suppressed. We have an example of that right here, and I'm going to get into this study in a moment, but I want to show you the post from the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. A 12-year-old girl with no previous medical history presented six days after her first dose of Pfizer-BioTech injection. She was estimated to have epidermal detachment, her skin breaking away from her body over 40% surface area. This is a girl who is suffering from exactly what we're talking about, the immune problems, the immune, the lymphocytopenia. 
right? The immune suppression to the point to where your body starts attacking itself. And by the way, which you're wildly susceptible to all sorts of other things. Or, and, but don't forget, there's other ways to this too. I'm suddenly blanking on the other term, but we talked about both ways where you're, you can have an overactive immune system or an underperforming immune system. And both of them can be equally damaging and dangerous for your body. Sorry, I'll move the picture away. The point is that that's what we see. And this is everywhere. You just can't miss this stuff right now. And corporate media doesn't care to talk about that. Isn't that telling? React, the, next, it says, uh, the next part is the reactivation of latent viral infections. Now, they're not never going to connect these because they're not, they're, they, they act like they don't see it. Because, well, they just got something that they had from before. That's not the vaccine's fault. Well, this is what the science is proving. That the, the scientific data around their investigation shows that these, the, what, the, what's in, the injections are causing these things to happen. So when they have a problem, like a cancer that's in remission and suddenly get explosion of cancer throughout their body after they take the injections, that's not just because the cancer came back in the cases we're discussing here. That's because this is what these injections do, do to your body. The reactivation of latent viral infections and the reduced ability to effectively combat future infections, which you already know. Second is the dysregulation of the system for both preventing and detecting genetically driven uh, malignant transformations within cells and the consequent potential for vaccination to promote those transformations. Now, this is this dysregulation of the entire system for prevent, both preventing and detecting these kind of problems. I mean, in every possible way, this thing is shutting your body down and making you more susceptible to just anything and everything coming your way. That's my interpretation of this, but how do you miss what we're looking at? And this is third, mRNA vaccination potentially disrupts intracellular communication carried out by exosomes and induces cells taking up spike glycoprotein mRNA to produce high levels of spike glycoprotein carrying exosomes with potentially serious inflammatory consequences, which is why we see these systemic inflammation and all the problems we have in the body everywhere. And the inflammation is at least part of what we're seeing in regard to the blood clots and everything else. It's just not that it's the same thing, but it adds to the same kind of problem. And we're seeing alternatively and, and in addition to the spike protein and the mRNA and the, and the lipid nanoparticles all in their own way, leading to a situation that caused blood clots and strokes and heart attacks. It's undeniable. They've even been forced to admit to a small, rare, super rare degree. That's not true. Even they've been forced to admit that that's not true. They still like to say rare, though. But it's at a point where it's undeniably not. They're running from this and the children that they're hurting. It's unbelievable. It's not just children, by the way, but that's the worst part of it. It says it is not practical for these vaccinations to be considered part of a public health campaign without a detailed analysis of the human impact of the potential collateral damage, which they'll never do. And even if they do, I don't know why we would trust their effort to do it. It needs to be an independent organization and multiple groups involved to be able to peer review and look and cross around and come to a general. We need like we need a, 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 a panel. Right. We need tribunals here. That's what we need to literally stand here in front of everybody and do this live and actually break this down. So anybody, we can have experts that can speak up like this is the only way it's going to come to a head here because the, everybody at high level seems to be involved in some degree, even if it's them that got swayed to make a bad choice and now is afraid to admit that they got swayed because they might be held culpable or accountable for it. So this is just taking everybody in but this. But it's quite obvious that this is right on the surface in the end. Billions of lives are potentially at risk, given the large number of individuals injected with the SARS-CoV-2 mRNA vaccines and the broad range of adverse outcomes we have described. 
We call on the public health institutions to demonstrate with evidence, not just dismissal, why the issues discussed in this paper are not relevant to public health, which is what they're generally doing, whether they say it or not, they're not even acknowledging it. Or to acknowledge that they are and they that they are dangerous and to act accordingly. Furthermore, we encourage all individuals to make their own healthcare decisions with this information as a contributing factor in those decisions. You know, real informed consent. So until they actually acknowledge this and either use evidence to show you why it's not true or admit that it is, this need, I mean, th- this will be up in the air. And it's not really even up in the air. This is why you're seeing the, the injection administration flatline. They won't even talk about the boosters anymore because they're pretending this next thing is still a booster. It's not. It's an entirely new injection. They've completely altered it. Now, no new safety testing. And they think that's going to coax them back into it, especially since they're now arguing that you can't even take this unless you take the first series, which makes zero sense. Not like the rest of it makes much sense. But you're, del- you're the one admitting to us that 99.9% of what this is, is is BA4 and 5, even though that's not actually... That bottom line is that they're telling us that's what's there, and yet here take an injection that only administers something for this first thing that's no longer there. But you can't have the one that helps you until you take three of these or two of those. I mean, there's no even scientific explanation for that. So they don't care, though. Where's the corporate media? Where are the science writers? Where are all these people that are supposed to know better? They're not supposed to talk about it. That's what's happening. It's absolutely incredible. So this study will get suppressed, ignored, potentially retracted if they choose to push hard enough. And the reality is, guys, that you don't even need this study to understand to see this because the data has been there from day one. The data has been there from the very beginning, and it's only continued to compile. This has been there since June. June. I don't see a single outlet even regard this as and then not even to say this doesn't even it's not even true. Here's why. Absolute silence. How do you call that trusting? This is peer reviewed science. So either they're trusting it or they're not right based on their ridiculous mantra. Which is it? So here we go with Walensky with this in mind, by the way, with the reality of what we're dealing with today, stepping up and saying most COVID deaths are in people who are unvaccinated and undervaccinated. And there it is. The slow, grudging, impossible, embarrassing transition of the pandemic of the injected. It's what we've been telling you from the beginning, what the data has been showing from the beginning. So here we are in a position where they're now being forced to admit that the vast majority of these people have injections in their body. Now, first, they're going to now try to argue, even though this has been the same way it's been from the beginning, they're trying to argue that it's only because most everyone is vaccinated now. Well, you can't just wait to get there and then push that back. The point is, people that are dying have injections in their body. The reality, based on per 100,000 risk, has still been this clear. They just don't want you to think about it. But when you talk about the under-vaccinated, that means people with injections in their body. And she's just combining those because she wants you to not know what the, the point is. This is a fraction. Unvaccinated is a fraction of what's happening. The vast, vast, vast majority is people with injections in their body. Listen to what she has to say. That has been really challenging through this pandemic um, is that the science has changed. That which was true for the original variant, for the alpha variant, was not true for the Delta variant and the Omicron variant. Now, real quick, just just put some of this to rest, right? I mean, the idea here that the science changed. I mean, it's just frustrating that we all see how ridiculous fumbling they are with this and go, well, the science is settled. Oh, not changed. It's like, well, wait a minute. How can it be settled and then change? How does that make sense? 
You could argue maybe they meant, well, we've decided to settle that we agree on this. Now, you don't just get to move it and switch it around. You guys were screaming that we knew for sure and it's been settled and it's all done. And if we just get to this number and you guys do this, we'll go right back to normal. And those things happen and they push it again and push it again and push it again. And the point is, as I keep telling you, I told you they would do this. It wasn't Delta that changed everything. The data was the same in the beginning. For the Wuhan isolate, if that's what you believe is happening, to Alpha, to everything else, Delta is when they first started to admit the cracks in the narrative. And then they dumped it all in Omicron, acting like everything changed. And we still don't know where that all started. Why was it different? Why did four diplomats cross into Botswana on diplomatic immunity? Were the first people that were sick, and then everyone points at South Africa. Why does that make sense, and why does nobody care to find out who they were and where they came from? Oh, my God, it frustrates me that we get there. But the point is, it's not that science changed. It's that their doctrine has been forced to change because we can see through it. So now they're just going, oh, well, no science evolved. Well, why wasn't the science evolving when the peer-reviewed science was challenging your narrative in 2020? Oh, because that's not the real science peer-reviewed. What's the difference? Well, we don't like that one. I mean, it's, it's just subjective and childish. These people are not real, in my opinion. Like, I don't know how you can stand there and know that you lied to us, know that you got caught lying to us, know that you're now being forced to admit that you're doing the same thing for people with vaccines or not. Same guidance, same difference. But then act like it matters if you're in one position or the other. I mean, it's just, it, it, none of this adds up. And I know that everybody sees it today. That's why people are suddenly quiet about this. And you only get the loud blue checks on Twitter that are desperate to hold their relevance to yell people down. It's frustrating. And so we have had to shift. We've had to update our um, our guidances in the context, not just of evolving science that's new, but also our guidances, guidances in an evolving variant that has changed. When you look ahead to the fall and winter, we're still in the middle of this pandemic. There's Well, you know, on that logic, though, what about the Omicron variant that's argued if, if it's evolving and changing with seemingly from a nonstop moment, the moment injections hit people's arms, variants exploded clearly because of the unvaccinated, right? Of course. And it exploded. So why does it stop all of a sudden? Right. I mean, what's the logic there? Are they even trying to explain that? Well, no, we'll just take the new thing based on this variant that won't be there by the time that we need, like based on everything else that's happening. But just they, it just trust the trust what they're telling you, right? That's what the trust the science was meant to instill in people. That's why Fauci even, I get maybe accidentally openly said that he is this. If I say it, it is science. Well, that's not true. They want you to trust them as if it is the science. This is the idea of the future they're building. Trust your betters, the technocrats, the experts. They know, they know what it is. I even had somebody comment that on Twitter when I was pointing out that, that these people are technocrats. I'm like, what does that mean? You mean experts and scientists? And that's my point. They want you to believe the people that unelected technocrat circles, when they're elitist circles that are deciding what's right for your life, whether you like it or not, they want you to just trust them because you don't know, stupid. That's the kind of mental, don't say that last part, but that's the implication. You're just not smart enough. Let us do the hard work. Here's some universal basic income. Just sit back and let us take care of this. Do you trust Walensky? Do you trust the CDC? I don't know anybody, even people that took these injections that are trust any of them. They just have been convinced it's dangerous enough to trust these people they already don't trust. But here we are where they're admitting that this is just changing now, today, not yesterday, not a week ago, but now all of a sudden. Concerns about surges in cases as people spend more time indoors. We know there's going to be a fall booster campaign. How should people decide if they should even get that shot, especially when so many people have now been infected and have some level of immunity? Now, note that that just doesn't even get rev. It's not who cares about that? Who cares about immunity? Right. Well, that's obviously the most important point to this. 
if we know that over 75%, again, these are their, their narrative. So they're the one pushing out that over 75% of kids, over 60% of the population have gotten this something. They have immunity by, their, by the argument that they're now grudgingly admitting. And of course, the 45 peer-reviewed studies that all find durable, lasting, and robust natural immunity. But who cares about the science? Trust the science. The point being that that's there. Then you could point back at the studies that I keep referencing, which I think I actually have up. I'll just If I do, I'll just show them to you real quick. Let me see. Yeah, right there. So these two studies that I have up that I'll show you are specifically about the fact that there has been immunity. There we go. Got too many windows open. That there has been immunity found in people from the very beginning. And that's the frustrating part about this is that we have this and this is also peer-reviewed science. A majority of uninfected adults show pre-existing antibody reactivity. This is March 2021. And this is, just, this is before COVID. People had, the majority of adults just had antibodies already. So th that's, now that was there. And then this happened. And now we get to 75 and 60 and most people, the numbers they set for herd immunity before, not even including that this was there. Then you can even go back further to 2020 and find that they already, even before 2021, were finding that people already had not just antibodies, but T-cell immunity. Right, the real immunity that you actually need, T and memory B, the idea of actually being able to have this pop back up again when something may happen in the future, not just saying it's producing something, it must be working. Right, The idea that you're not just supposed to make antibodies the rest of your life, it's supposed to do it when there's a problem, and the memory cells are what allow that to happen again when there's a problem. But here we have people that already had T cell and antibody reactivity before we ever got here. And they just theorize whether it's because of SARS or the cold or whatever else, but they were there. So again, the reality being that if we know that, they know that, how in the world are we acting like this is inconsequential? I mean, this I was making this argument in 2020. So going back to her point, or lack thereof, oh, actually it was this, her video. You know, um, I certainly don't want to get ahead of any FDA action. What I will say is... Right Remember, she asked about immunity. This is her answer. Right now, we have um, people who are not yet fully up to date on their... So just no response whatsoever. No, no acknowledgement. No, like, well, if they have immunity, here's what you should do. Nothing. Just a complete skip over as if the FDA hasn't ruled yet. What, on immunity? I mean, what a pathetic... I mean, come on. That per this person should be ran out of town with pitchforks and fire. I mean, this is ridiculous. How At this point in the game, how can you not be acknowledging natural immunity? It should make you furious. But on top of that, what she's going to get into next is also frustrating. People who are not yet fully action. What I will say is right now we have um, people who are not yet fully up to date on their vaccines. Not yet fully up to date. Now, she's clearly struggling with her fully vaccinated versus up to date narrative. But the point is that you're not up to date now. So that's the point. You're not you're under vaccinated. That's where that term comes from. Under vaccinated. But you're still fully vaccinated, though. By their definition, you're fully vaccinated while you're simultaneously under vaccinated. How can you not laugh at these people? They haven't received a booster. Um, and we do know that we continue to see 300, 350 to 400 new deaths every single day. Um, and that for the most part, as we look into those, those folks are people who are unvaccinated or under vaccinated. Yeah, the vast majority being the under vaccinated. So the most important thing you can do is to stay up to date on your COVID vaccines, to get your children up to date on their COVID wow. vaccines, because so much of what we know right now with this infection is that so many of these severe outcomes are preventable yeah preventable 
just avoid the injections you're putting out and you're most likely going to be okay. I mean, that that is a very valid peer-reviewed science backed up statement. But I'm going to be censored for it like every other day. You're not going to see Tucker Carlson have me on the show promoting how much we're censored. Therefore, we must be right. <laughs> no, the point here, guys, is that this is unbelievably like she is patronizing and dismissing. And the reality is they just just stay up to date. Oh, how many is that? Whatever we say today. That's the actual answer. There's no up to up to date right now is whatever they've last said is what you should do. <laughs> trust the plan, apparently. Remember that? That's where we are today. Just trust the plan. Trust that they know what's right. It's, I mean, it just blows me away. Next tweet. This one is the fact checkers checking, which, which weirdly undermines exactly what she's talking about. Un- fact checking the idea of whether more people are dying in the vaccinated category than the unvaccinated category. And they show you the graph that proves that is what the graph is showing, but they go, but, but, but here's why you're misunderstanding, which is what they always do. And of course, the misunderstanding is a point you're going to laugh at. It's a valid point to make, but I also argue they manipulate it. I'll show you why. But it's a point that they would refuse to acknowledge in the beginning, the age factor, right? So in the beginning of COVID-19, the point was, well, it's just it's blended all together because how we, we don't know for sure. We just want to be absolutely safe. Very liberal with the numbers we were hearing, except then later it becomes absolute risk. You can see it right there, all the numbers. I shouldn't have said absolute risk. Not That's not what I was, absolute versus relative risk. My point is they're looking at going, look, at that's the clear risk. You can't deny all the numbers and all the deaths. Well, didn't you 30 seconds ago say that it was you're being liberal and just in case? I mean, they play this every day. This many people have died. It's like, no, you admitted that was a guess because you're just trying to be cautious. But then you're using that number to put masks on people and force them in. Like, it's just all in your face. So what we're seeing here is that this data is very clear in regard to not not only that more people are in fact dying right now, but they're trying to act like the age part of it is what is making it not what it seems like. But if that was the case and it's valid to point out, then it should have been the same point to make in the beginning, which we were making. That if you actually break this down by age, age adjusted, and you show that 90% of this is happening in over 80s in nursing homes or any other point, or the fact that 96 point something percent of people had four comorbidities on their birth on their death certificates, we realize this is a game that they're using these numbers or they're choosing not to look at them because if you broke it up right, you'd realize that really no one's at risk. That's not already over 80. And, and, and don't forget one of the most important data points, guys. The, 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 the average age of death, even to this point, is longer than the average lifespan in this country. So if you the average person lives to 86 or whatever, I'm, I'm just guessing at the numbers, I forget what they were. Average number is 86, then the, the average death of COVID is 89 or whatever it is. It's, it's, it's longer. That doesn't mean it's not important. We still should care about people that might get sick and give them potential help or let them choose themselves what they might want to do, not force things down their throat or their arm that actually increase their risk. But watch this clip. Here's a new chart making the rounds on social media, and it's easy to misinterpret what it's telling you. It appears to say most people dying of COVID-19 lately are actually fully vaccinated. That's exactly what it says, and they don't even dispute that. But they lo- these people probably don't even know what they're talking about. CBS 17 digital reporter Jody McCrary is fact-checking it. Well, here's a fact-check. It's a fact-check. We're going to fact-check the obvious facts that they put up on the screen. It's not a fact-check. It is an opinion check, and it's a manipulative. They're going, well, here's why this is something that you need to consider. Like, the age part of this makes it a little different. Well, that doesn't change the fact of the graph. Okay? What he's going to show you here. Now, what this... This graph is undeniable, right? Just because if you age adjust it, it might look differently. It doesn't change the fact that that and exactly what they just said is 100% true. That more people are dying that are vaccinated. 
Yes, when you break the age up, it changes what you're looking at. But how can they argue that that's not accurate when that's literally what it shows you? They just don't want you to think that. They want you to think because there's other angles to this that this graph isn't fair or accurate. Of course it is. This is like saying that me pointing at science or something that you, that, that me just pointing at a peer-reviewed study might create vaccine hesitancy. Therefore, we shouldn't allow that study. Well, the study's true. You just don't like what it makes people think. And that's what this keeps ending up as. It's incredibly frustrating. There we go. I missed my spot. Chart shows is deaths in vaccinated people now outnumber those among the unvaccinated. But an expert tells me it leaves out a very important detail. How old those people are. Okay. So before we even get into his, his explanation, he just admitted this is true. That's it's just but when you factor in the age difference, it changes the way the graph looks. But we're not we're, the age is not what this graph is about. The graph is a simple graph. All people, just like they did in the beginning, just like they, pr they pushed with COVID-19. Now, it doesn't make that first argument un invalid or this one invalid. It only makes it invalid when they push that and then pretend that the risk is equal for everybody. That's the illusion. The overall all age included equal risk. That's a it's very important to look at. What they did in the beginning was simply act like the four year old was as much risk as the 80 year old because they just evened it out and, and gave the average risk. That's ridiculous. That's willfully deceptive. This is willfully deceptive in reverse the same way where they do it in, in they add the age group and act like the first graph is meaningless because the age part of it. How can you keep watching them do what they said was stupid in the beginning now because it benefits them and not realize how dishonest these people are like the cycle threshold being different before and after the vaccine like they do this to in, willfully change what you see. And I genuinely believe most people see this by now. But listen to what he says. How old those people are. Look closer at this chart you may have seen online. At some point after February, weekly deaths in vaccinated people surpassed those who didn't get a vaccine. One quick point, too, is that they are aiming this at the people that, you know, the the average people, right? The skimmers that just see this image on Twitter and then know it's true because it aligns with what they think they're looking at, right? That's not, I don't even think that's most people. I think that the, the, they're, they're being patronizing by acting like you just probably saw this on Twitter, right? How about those of us that read the study, that looked at the information, that broke it down? Like, it's just, it should insult you. They, they think you're that dumb. And I, I know for sure that most of you aren't. That's the black line moving over the blue one. But UNC doctor David Weber says what it's missing is age. I got it. One last point. I'll let this play out. Is it just me or is it almost becoming cartoonish? Even the way that they talk. And we all know this, like, you know, and the graph, it looked like it was coming down all the way. Like, you know, whatever they're saying, it's like, no, 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 no. You know, it's like, it's just such a ridiculous kind of, and it's why talk like that? Because they think they're supposed to. Like, they're playing a role. Nobody talks like that in real life. You only hear that on the news. Listen to it again. The black line moving over. Ask those who didn't get a vaccine. That's the black line moving over the blue one. Moving but UNC doctor David Weber says what it's missing is age. Missing is age. Am I wrong? I mean, I just think that's hilarious. Now listen to what he says. Most of the cases we're seeing now of deaths, or many of them, are in older people, much like we saw two years ago. The majority of older people, in particular, because of their risks for COVID, are vaccinated. So it's not surprising if the majority of people are vaccinated, even if the vaccines are working, the majority of deaths will be in people who are vaccinated. Now, that's not, that's not an unfair point, right? The idea that if you have a huge group of 80% of people that are injected, 
then you're going to have most of the problems happen in that group in general if you just kind of break it out. But what's interesting is that it's not even what you're finding. You're finding a wildly overrepresented number, right? So let, like this is what I think it was Steve Kirsch. I don't want I, I don't I can't remember if it was him or not, but I, I saw one of these people point this out and I've been making the same point that if you look at the, at the number, let's just say it's 80 percent vaccinated. And you have 80 percent of people dying vaccinated at the very least, it shows you that there is no benefit. And we're not. We're seeing more than that. We're seeing a higher percentage. And they just go, well, of course, because most of them are vaccinated. That's that's not fair. That's not even accurate. They're just hoping you buy it. And, and then on top of all of it was the point they made first. Why that point applies now, but didn't in the beginning. Because if you apply it in the beginning, there's no risk for most people. And they know that. And we don't have the entire illusion. There's a lot of that. And I'll show you one of these points next about the, about the, the comorbidities point. That's why the chart from the State Department of Health and Human Services includes a key phrase, age-adjusted. The real question is not what percentage of deaths or hospitalization are in vaccinated or in unvaccinated. It's by age, what's the risk of death in vaccinated versus unvaccinated uh, individuals? And because and, and that's, that's also important, equally important, not one versus the other. That's stupid. And I'll show you why even that even that graph they just showed, though, I don't even know how that can be real. And I'll show you why. We know immunity fades over time. It also highlights how important boosters are. Immunity doesn't fade over time. Your immune system stops working over time if you take these injections. Including the ones coming soon that target the Omicron variants. Now, those are boosters. They're brand new shots with entirely new information and new substances and are not safety tested for them. And then on top of that... They're not targeting the variants. Like This is what's so frustrating. They pointed out that they have an effect on these other variants, but the data that we showed you from Pfizer's own documentation made it clear that this was tailored towards the original strain and the B5. That's it. And yet it somehow translates to every news outlet is targeting all the different Omicron variants. That They keep saying that because they want you to kind of eventually transition to whatever they push out next, I would argue, of whatever universal thing. They, it is coming, by the way. Mark my words. That's always been the end point for the, at least the injection discussion, the universal one-stop shop thing they can pump in your body and that they're probably going to make you have to take in order to be able to engage with high society or whatever happens. But he just said booster multiple. So did the last people. Isn't that misinformation? Yes, it is. But it doesn't matter as long as you're saying this thing's good. So that's really the question that you need to ask is vaccinated versus unvaccinated. What age group? And then did you have two, three or four doses? And yeah, well, not really. Did you have any doses? You see that little manipulation right there? Two, three or four. What about one? Oh, that's right. Because one's probably getting kicked into unvaccinated these days, just like in the beginning. I'm, this is check this stuff out for yourself, guys. This is an obvious manipulation. But how about the interesting part about vax versus unvax? You know how aggressively they tried to run from that discussion long before COVID-19 and even in the beginning? No, we can't compare. Like that's the world showing you that right now. You unvaccinated people out there, you are the control group, as we all know. And it's very clear what's happening. You just look around you and you see what's happening. And that's not the best argument to make for the average person or anybody really, because it's your perception and you could be wrong. But the reality is that the data backs it up and everybody I talk to, my personal experience, it's unbelievably obvious. Every single person in my family circle or even even tangential to them who has gotten these injections, every single one of them have gotten COVID-19 more than once. Every single one of them have said they've gotten rashes or problems or heart pain, chest pain. I told you about somebody in my family that was having these problems, went to the hospital and I sent them home. And I said, you go back and you demand them to test your heart. You demand that you look for blood tests and you check for blood clots. Like Dr. Bakhti said, 
And, and then guess what? He went back and guess what they found? The problem is they don't want to look for this stuff because it's obvious what's happening. And these doctors are just as involved. Now, I only say that because they're choosing not to look for it. That is not what real doctors do. My story online. Find out why Dr. Weber compares those COVID deaths to car wrecks. Oh, okay, now it's just, a, you know, like they're just trying to make it seem like some kind of statistical thing by helmets and fire and whatever they do. It's, it's, this is frustrating and it should frustrate you how manipulative all this is. That's the fact check. Oh, that's right. I wanted to go back to this. Hold on. So the 17th State Department. Of Look at that right on it. So here's the point. Well, uh, let's do this for, well, yeah, let me do this first, actually. So here's what age adjusted. Briefly, just really quickly to show you what it says is uh, basically uh, it's, it's pretty simple, guys. You're using age and breaking it up by age as opposed to the entire group. And the idea being you can use it between ages to compare how healthy two different groups are uh, or how healthy a certain group is during two different time periods of their life. Right. So they can be the under 40 and then they you know over 40 and you do the comparison and so on. And this is what this looks like. Right. You have age. And we've seen this. We see this on all the different reports, the UK and so on, where you got the age breakdown. Then you've got the rate per 1,000, the population, all the information, right? Okay, so how can you have a graph that's broken down by age, and that's why it looks so much worse? Here it is again. Health and human services. With no age breakdown. You want to explain that to me? So what you're looking here on the left, it gets a little fuzzy when I zoom in, is the death per 100,000. Okay, the bottom are the dates. I don't see any age breakdown. I guess that we have to assume that they just did the math for you and they broke it down. Yeah, exactly. So why in the world, why are we trusting what they just turned that line into based on their, their broken math or their willfully deceptive math as we keep catching them? Or maybe they use data from 2020 because they just decided to, like the CDC keeps getting caught doing. It's obviously, in my opinion, not even closely aligned with what we're seeing in all the data. But here's also the point. Just, just to even use their data. Now, that's just my opinion. Because guess what? We can't prove that because this is something pulled from somewhere else because the State Department and the HHS gave it to them. And don't forget what it looked like first, right? The reality of this is showing you that when all said and done, that right now, more people, and by the way, I argue it's been like that for a while, but in any case, right now, even their data shows you more people are dying with injections in their body than not, or than unvaccinated. But the other part of this is the last part. Right. So even if you believe the beginning of this and the risk of more people, or, or, you know, the ultimate point being that the, the as it says here, the risk of the unvaccinated, which you know, see, again, I go back to that same point. How can you have one single line if it is age, bro- if it's age adjusted by age? Explain that to me. So if it's broken up between 80 and 80 and over and 40 and under, if it's even just make it two. Why was there only one line? Because the other ones are age adjusted death rates and vaccinated and age adjusted in the boosted. What does that mean exactly? How do you have different ages and put it in one line? In any case, the point is it does not break down the actual risk and what the differentiation differentiation is. But the bottom point here is that if this is where we are now, how does that act like something is working, right? Because look, it's zero to four is what you're looking at right here. They're kind of fuzzy, but zero to four. That's per 100,000. So zero to four deaths per every 100,000. Okay, so the, the, the boosted... And vaccinated lines are pretty close, but they're they're not zero, right? That there wouldn't they be down, they wouldn't be it's not zero. It's between zero and four. I would argue it's probably something between zero and one. Okay, so let's put it at point five. The blue line at the highest I would argue is at two. It's right in between zero and four. Okay, so if you think that point five 
out of 100,000 deaths compared to two out of 100,000 is that, I mean, it's, it's, it's statistically significant, but I argue it's not that relevant, especially not in a situation where you know that the injection also adds a endless stream, an endless stream of a million other problems that they're pretending aren't there. Increases your risk of myocarditis, which has a very clear potential three, next three to 10 year mortality risk of possibly 25 to 56%. All these different things. And then you add, act like not getting it at all and having a 0.1 of 1.5 per 100,000 increased risk of potential death is everything you need. And you can still catch it and spread it and so on. I mean, this is all they have to grab onto. How is that safe and effective? Even if that is accurate, you have a barely, a almost non-statistically significant increase. I still argue it is just barely st- statistically significant because once you get up to a billion people, it's a lot more. But at the end of the day, for your personal choice, that's all you get. And that's them going, no, 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 fake news. Even though we just showed you more people are in fact dying who are injected and the risk per 1,000 of catching and spreading it and going to the hospital and everything else we've shown you is higher. You look at Ontario, it's undeniable. They just stopped. They started hiding the data from you. Oh, that's right. So, uh, oh, that, that's right. And so I showed you the breakdown. So I just, you know, look, read this for yourself and, and ask yourself how that is what they're saying it is. Now, here is Dr. Peter McCullough. Fraud alert. In the same video we just played for, for Zelensky. No proper random controlled trial has shown mortality benefit. First sentence, end of discussion. That's true. And you can't deny that. Yet they claim that's the case. How do you explain that when these are people screaming, trust the science? FDA never granted mortality claim. You just don't talk about that. Only prior infection and multiple drug pre-hospital reduces the risk of hospitalization and death. So natural immunity and early treatment, as he's been you know, bringing that bell for a long time. I think specifically, I believe ivermectin was his focus. But uh, there's all sorts of other things. Vitamin D, exercise, all things that anybody used to tell people to do when they might get sick. But his main point here, vaccination status is irrelevant with anything after alpha. And here she is screaming about the next step. We need to see what this is by now. Now, here's the frustrating part for me is that we have been banging away at the idea of the excess mortality. You just saw, I just did a report on the last show. Zoo, New Zealand and Australia, every single place you can look at has this weird, baffling, unexplainable explosion of excess death. SIDS and SADS and everything else under the sun. It's amazing. And I've been being censored for it the entire time. So this is what Tucker was just reporting. It's over now. Now that we can... God, it's over now. Now that we can blame Donald Trump for the vaccine, we can finally tell the truth about the vaccine without being fired or attacked or thrown off the internet. Now, obviously, he's joking. I mean, he's he's making fun of the idea that they're now just admitting these problems because they can blame Trump. But you need to ask yourself, why hasn't he been pointing this out the entire time? Now, I know he has been pointing a lot of things out that a lot of other people haven't. And I do give him credit for that. You know, even though we may be a couple months ahead, you know, whatever. (laughs) I had to say it. But nonetheless, the point is, that there was a discussion about this excess death a long time ago. We were having that conversation. Where were they? It's all been there. It's not new information. The only new part of this is the Thailand study, which kind of got pulled into the mainstream discussion, but that's a small one. The reality is there's been an endless amount of this. So I just want us to ask, why now are they being allowed to point this out? Because now we are seeing the debate come to the center stage. They're only saying it now because they want to blame Trump and it's the left versus right. And here we go all over again, right in the election. 
We really should have thought of this earlier because it feels good, the freedom of this. So let's take a moment to talk about Donald Trump's vaccine and why it seems to be, among other things, dramatically raising death rates among young people. Now, but now don't forget, Donald Trump is still calling this his legacy, promoting this injection. So it's weird when his base essentially jokingly acts as if it's not his by saying it is. He's the one saying that. They're just now claiming that it's only his so they can blame it entirely on him, which I've argued is the plan from the very beginning, which I said in 2020. But interesting, isn't it? According to data from New Zealand, the government there, for example. Ah, yeah, you've heard that before. Children were vaccinated between the ages of 10 and 19 were more likely, not less likely, more likely to die within a month of vaccination than those who didn't take the vaccine in the same age group. Right. You've seen for me, New Zealand, New Zealand, Australia, Scotland, UK, Ontario, Alberta, all of them showing you. And how many times have you seen the titles? 50 percent more likely to die, 40 percent more likely in the hospital over and over and over and over and being censored for it since 2021. At the very earliest, I think, when the conversation was really starting to come out about the excess death. And it's not just the New Zealand government that has found this. This summer, a Dutch researcher called Andre Rader published a paper entitled COVID-19 Vaccinations and All-Cause Mortality. The research analyzed hundreds of cities and towns. What did it find? Quote, we could not observe a mortality reducing effect of vaccination in Dutch municipalities after vaccination and booster campaigns. We did find a four sigma significant mortality enhancing effect during the two periods of high unexplained excess mortality. Right, right. So again, I mean, it's important. And I'm really glad this is being discussed on corporate media, but why now? Just to, not, not that that undermines in any way, just we need to ask that. Why now? But ask yourself why this wasn't pointed out when this exact same kind of research was coming up a year ago. It was, and you know it because we've been reporting it. It's a good question. I mean, are we pretending like this wasn't sent to him or he didn't see it or the, you know, all this was swirling around, you know, and I know this because a lot of the conservative side of the media was more so pointing at this stuff. It's just interesting that it's only really now, and this is the big conversation, right? The crux of what the real problem is, that this is undeniably hurting most people, which we've never shied away from saying from the very beginning. Oh, so the data suggest, don't prove, but suggest the vaccine may be killing people. Shocking. Unexplained mortality is also on the rise in many other countries, Australia, England, Wales. Hmm. But as Alex Berenson reported on his Substack recently, mm -hmm. the Canadian government is seeing a similar problem yes. at huge scale. As of this summer, people who took Donald Trump's vaccine in the Canadian province of Manitoba are roughly 50% more likely than the unvaccinated to be hospitalized or die from COVID. Again, mm -hmm. to pause. How bad is Donald Trump's vaccine? So bad that people who take it are more likely to die of COVID. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Breaking news baffled it's blowing me away <clears throat> i'm glad this is coming out guys but i just I, you can't I, there's no way that i cannot you know and you know the problem with this personally is that i feel that a lot of even people in our community tend to think that it's, it's about credit for me and the truth is as i've always said nobody out there it, it'd be dishonest of anybody to claim that they don't care about getting credit for their work everybody does we all want to be acknowledged for effort that we put in. But as I, I'll say again, it's not what this is about for me. Not entirely. I mean, obviously, like I said, that's always there to some degree. It's about realizing that I, or at least what I think or I feel is that we are being fooled again. Whether you think Tucker knows it or not, 
I see this rising. I see all of it coming together with the blaming of Donald Trump for the injection and the new, the new one coming out next or however gets voted in next. I, I clearly see it happening with DeSantis or maybe Trump again or whoever else. And we roll it right back in and they take the bait right back in again. And the, the frustrating part about as well that the, the framing of the entire conservative side of this country that I've been banging away at. The idea of the, the white supremacy illusion and the idea of the, what's happening in Ukraine, how they're trying to blame them. It's all coming together. And yet we just can't see past it. I mean, ask yourself this, guys, if we know and I say we know because it's been the same way on either side of this, no matter how far back you look. I've been making that case before 2020 or even before 2016. The idea that if they believe that this was stolen from Donald Trump and they're still banging away at that now. Why would you come out and vote now? Like, why do you think it's going to be different? There's nothing. In fact, it's the exact same. Not only just the exact same situation. This administration is now in power. And you're going to pretend that you're going to just vote him into power again? I mean, why are we so simple-minded when it comes to the idea of democracy and elections? It's the biggest illusion we have. Either you think that they're broken and you, and you know they're going to cheat, which they always do, and you state that and you abstain at a protest and you make a huge statement to show that the most people in this country are aware that it's not even a real electoral process, or you play the game again. And act like it matters when you get what you want and when you don't act like it was stolen. And both of those are probably true all the time. I guess people just aren't ready for this. It kills me, though, right? We are at a point where I'm watching this slow motion train wreck. And I guess we'll just have to point it out again when we get there. And Tucker will say he saw it before I did. (laughs) Okay, as I said, I'm sure glad this is being highlighted on corporate media. Finally, just remember the last American Vagabond has been showing you this exact problem using the same data for over a year and being censored for it. And as the, the picture shows you here, time for an honest debate. I know he's really just kind of pointing out that we, you know, we need, it's long past time. But the time for an honest debate was two years ago, guys. And they were all there. The data was all there. They could have done it then. It's important to think about. Now, here's the meme that I told you. It's kind of funny. I think we're all feeling this right now. I just said my days the last couple of weeks. I forget what this is from. You guys can say in the chat what cartoon this is from. But it says, look like the pandemic was BS all the time. The other guy says, we know. We've been trying to tell you for two years. The other guy says, you couldn't have known. They just announced it on TV. <laughs> I think I laughed about that for 20 minutes. I'm like, God, and his face is so perfect. It's like, ah, oh, really? And this is happening. People that I know close to me, people that are, who, are say, who are saying that I was hurting people, you're dangerous, you're spreading misinformation, are now going, yeah, but we, now we all knew. And I kind of knew the whole time. No, you didn't. And that's not even the point, though. Good, fine, say that. But if you're pretending like, no, this is the Scott Adams syndrome. We're going to call it that. There's no way you could have known. You just got lucky. Lucky. <laughs> you know, it's just how embarrassing that must be. But here we are. And a lot this is like the other point to this is that these people are still, even though they can see they were lied to or that this was wrong, or that if they want to believe they just got, got it wrong the whole time, every single part of it, and just accidentally aimed in the direction of making everything worse in every possible way. Oops. They still can't connect the fact that you were saying exactly that. They just go, well, no, you were just saying something sort of similar, but you're a conspiracy theorist, so it can't be. And because the TV said it, that's we now know you couldn't have known before. There are people like that, guys, but I don't think it's everybody. But I have been confronting this quite a bit. Now, here is the WHO. Now, again, all of this is kind of centered around this, this uh, uh, study. And here's the WHO WHO is saying, despite the shifting of the narrative, despite the information coming out, despite everybody beginning to see that these things are not even remotely or even safe at all. But here is what the WHO is saying anyway. 
This week, we crossed the tragic milestone of one million reported deaths so far this year. We again, and that, this again goes back to the point of how they're doing that. Oh, I think, wait, did he say it? No, hold on, let me play this out. Cannot say we're learning to live with COVID-19 when one million people have died with COVID-19 this year alone. So that's the first, uh, with COVID-19, not from. They're very deliberate about that. And that, that does mean something, for those that may not know. Dying with COVID could mean, in this, in this case, which I'll play for you next, you could have four po- other comorbidities. Now, pre-COVID-19, if you died with a comorbidity that you had before COVID, that's what went down in your death certificate with COVID as a sub-problem. That's how it used to be. Just like the changing of vaccine definition, changing of herd immunity, changing the definition of pandemic to not include death, right? That is the same thing. They just weirdly changed it right before COVID-19. They must have seen something coming. And of course, that allows them to now use people that have four other issues, cancer, diabetes, and all these things, maybe in the hospital about to die from cancer, and they just go, oh, tested for COVID, that's COVID now. That goes down as a COVID death. And that's part of the, that's one of the huge pins of this illusion. PCR being another one, the conflation of flu and pneumonia, or the simple idea that this is not even really there, we should consider. But the point is, he's telling you that with COVID. And don't forget what he's telling you is that we're not done with this. There's no living with this. A million people died. Let's remember that when we show you what Fauci has to say next as he's trying to justify his retirement. When we are at two and a half years into the pandemic and have all the tools necessary to prevent this death. Once again, we ask all governments. How do they have it? How in the world are you arguing that you have the tools to prevent this when every single thing you're pointing at is being shown by peer reviewed science to increase your risk? Think about that. To strengthen their efforts to vaccinate all health workers, older people, and others at the highest risk on the way to 70% vaccine coverage for the whole population. So, how in the world does that even make sense? So, to, to what? To up to date? To fully vaccinated? And what in different places have different up to date. So what do you t- how do you just argue 70 percent? It's just an, it's a metric they put in front of you like a like a carrot and a stick. It, it, it's meaningless, especially since there's places that went to 90 percent and it got even worse because what's happening is it's getting worse because of the things they're giving them. It's a no brainer here, guys. The data is now backing that up, but they just m- march on just batting you down with this narrative that is completely disconnected from anything, even remotely scientific. We're watching them tell you to take this regardless. Just get it to 70%. But how, what does that apply to? It doesn't even make sense anymore. That's the point. And it's very frustrating. And they know this. Now here is, I'm not too familiar with this doctor, but he makes a point that we've made before. And I think he says it in a good way. It's important to hear what he has to say about how this was before. And the comorbidities. And don't forget, we saw this in the beginning where they were forced to admit, and it was one of the early bombshells, that 96 plus percent of people that were dying had at least, I think at the time they said something like 2.96, but that's increased to like between three and four total. So people are dying without the four different problems and they still call it COVID-19. And before COVID-19, it was the opposite. How do you not see that for what it is? What was the first thing they did? The first thing they did was they modified death certificate reporting exclusively for COVID. (laughs) They said, if you have a comorbidity, normally we would put that in part one, which is cause of death. The thing is, though, what's always been charted as the cause of death is the oldest line item. So if you had, let's say, asthma or COPD, right? Let's say you had COPD. 
uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary dis- disease, right? Let's say it was for 10 years. Well, if you contracted COVID and died, COVID wouldn't be the cause. COPD would be the cause because it was the oldest known disease process. And in that case, what would happen is you'd have COVID-19 as a, as a comorbidity, right? It would be an underlying point. And in any, any cataloging of this, it wouldn't go down as a COVID-19 death in the way that put you report these on the news. Now, how do you not see changing that as an obviously self-serving manipulation? Makes sense. What the CDC said through the National Vital Statistics System is we don't want you to put comorbidities in part one. Just put them in part two, which are contributory factors to death. And the outcome of that was that 96% of all death certificates for COVID had on average 4.0 comorbidities. So that's a pretty important thing to de-emphasize in part two. You're removing the actual cause, which is the comorbidity, and you're saying, no, it's going to be COVID no matter what. Because when you remove the comorbidities, now COVID could be the last line item, and thus the cause. And And that's even if it happened just on a PCR test as you were three seconds away from dying. And yet it still goes down as the cause, the underlying, the main cause that gets reported on the news. It's just blatant fraud. Now you get the hyperinflation of death certificates and numbers. And now you get the justification for the public health policies. And if somebody's going to speak out and say, you know, we've never done this like this. Why are you doing it like this? Here's somebody. Hospital administrator, just go along. This is why you're seeing over the last two years hospitals having record profits. Because. And on that point, you could argue that he's not necessarily saying that, you know, the, he can prove that they're bribing people directly, but we all saw it happen. And this is not, this is undeniable. The idea, like Dr. Jensen pointed out, and this is very clearly proven despite how much he's been attacked, that they had, and this is, this is how this generally works in the health system, is that they have a, a higher amount of money they got paid if they had COVID on the list because they argued COVID had all these extra things they had to do, whatever the justification is. It gave them a profit motive to put COVID instead of something else. And so it's very clear. That is exactly the point. And it happened everywhere. They have been, they have received ill-gotten gains through the Medicare Medicaid system, which was authorized by the Health and Human Services Department. See, it's intricate, right? Which still came out of the people's money because they inflated the dollar. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, shoot. Dang it. It was muted. My apologies, guys. So now we're coming to Fauci. The point being that here we have him on the way out. He's retiring, right? And now you can see the shifting of this where you have the WHO head over here saying, we're not out of this yet. There's over a million deaths last year. That's we're still we cannot we can't live with this, right? Except when Fauci, now that he's pushing his way out, you know, is out of sight. What do they say? Shuffling off the stage. 
exit stage right, that ultimately he's now going, well, now we're at a point where we can kind of live with this. <laughs> Oops, right? So now you're challenging the WHO. Ooh, remember when that was a big no-no? Except when they started to do lockdowns, even though they said you shouldn't do them, and then that went out the window, except when you said something you shouldn't say, right? How embarrassing, right? So listen to what Fauci has to say. Uh, Dr. Fauci, you have now announced that you're going to be stepping down sometime before the end of the year here. And I have to ask you, uh, does that reflect, at least in part, your conclusion that this COVID problem is not going to be over in the next six to 12 months? Because it strikes me, at least, that if you thought it was going to be done in six months, 12 months, you'd stick around for the victory lap. Well, you know, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't necessarily say a victory lap. The victory lap, right? As if anything about this ending had anything to do with the poison they were giving people. Come on. Victory lap. I was thinking, considering, you know, vaguely, but sometimes specifically about stepping down at the end of the Trump administration in order, as since I say, and I'll say it again, since I'm healthy and I'm energetic and I'm still passionate about doing other things outside of the confines of the government, I thought that might be a good time. But when President-elect Biden, after he was elected and before his inauguration, one of the first things he did was to ask me to be his chief medical advisor, and I gladly was honored and said, yes, of course I would. I thought I would be doing that for a year, because as you said, David, I thought after yet again another year, we would have COVID behind us. But as it turns out, that's not the case. But what I examined and for the end Oops. of and, and what I was going to say there, though, is that so what is the case then? Right. You can't just stand here and pretend. That. It's because the unvaccinated, as they were trying to push in the beginning, that's just there's no way you can argue that right now, even though they still try to push that off. So what changed then? Right. What happened? Why is it not there? Why did it go? You can't stand there and admit you. The point is, they have to. And really frustrate you. They were at a point where they are. He's actually trying to argue right now that. It just simple, essentially that we're at a point where we got to where we're good enough to where he can leave now. Even though you just argued this thing continued past the point, you gave all the injections, you got the herd immunity level you wanted to, and everything else we're talking about, and yet suddenly still it got worse and worse and worse. And they tried to blame the unvaccinated, but it's just not the reality, and we've proven that. And the new data today is proving that as well, especially the peer-reviewed study we started with. These people are living in a fantasy land. That's why they are so aware, in my opinion, that they are getting uh, surrounded by the information. I believe that's why he's trying to exit away. Because as you said, David, I thought after yet again another year, we would have COVID behind us. But as it turns out, that's not the case. But what I examined and, and, and felt would be the case when I made the decision that I had been thinking about for some months, and I announced it just a short time ago, is that I believe we're in a position now we're much, much better off. We have vaccines. We've just got to get more people vaccinated and more. Really? So that's, that's again, just, just get more people vaccinated. Right. If you got to go get the first one, you don't need it has nothing to do with what's going on and get the second one that still has nothing to do with what's going on. So you can step in to get this new thing we just made. And then then I mean, just it's it's re- unbelievable. Everything about this shows you the danger, the risk. And then on top of that, we're not even acknowledging the immunity, the natural immunity conversation or the fact that this thing in regard to the the dangers that they can add to your life or the fact that COVID-19, that the way that they even describe it is not even remotely as dangerous as even the first thing they talked about. And that wasn't even a bad flu. 
So we're at a point where there's no real danger for most people that the injection you're giving them wildly outweighs the risks. The risks of the injection wildly outweigh any other risk you might get somewhere else. I mean, it's just across the board and they just go oh, get vaccinated, wear your mask. I mean, it is mind boggling that we're still even pushing that. I mean, they're not even trying to move the narrative. Maybe there's a reason for that, but he just doubles down, triples down. People boosted that I think we're really on the threshold of getting COVID to the point where it is at a level where it is low enough that we can actually not have it disrupt the social order. And we can, it's not going to disappear, David. It's not going to be eradicated and it's not going to be eliminated. Ah, okay. So the opposite of what you said in the beginning. So you are discussing Great Barrington Declaration kind of stuff, even though you'll still pretend that they're conspiracy theorists. Got it. But I believe we can get it to a low enough level if we do the right thing, if people get vaccinated who are not vaccinated and those who are not boosted get boosted. I think that. Got it. So even though they're spreading it more than anybody and your data proves that and the injections and the data we're getting from all the side effects and everything else dramatically increase with these injections. And the more you get them, your argument is just get more injections. That's what's happening. Time is coming. I hope we get to that within the next few months. That's the reason, among other reasons, why I decided the timing was right. Yeah, I'm sure. Now, hopefully we see some kind of action here in regard to what we find out, and it still gets applied to him, but not just him, not just Fauci, but the HHS that runs the NIH and the NIH that runs the NIH, and the reality that there's more people, including at the time when Trump was in power. Right. Every one of them are culpable for the actions they allowed under their reign. Period. Any real leader would own what happened while they were in print, not blame it on the Democrats or the Democrats blame it on the Republicans or whatever they're both trying to do. Right. That's what's happening. Republicans think it's all the Democrat ploy. Democrats now blaming Trump as the only culprit. It's the same game in reverse, guys. We need to be grownups enough to see that and not try to play a party. Here's the WHO pushing the same thing. We're still living with COVID-19, even if cases seem low, right? It's almost the opposite of what even Tedros was just saying. Like they can't even get their story straight. Help less people get sick by taking six simple steps, three of which are absolutely the last thing you should do. Get vaccinated, keep a safe distance, wear a mask, cover sneeze, coughs, open windows, clean your hands. Get vaccinated or just keep it going. That does not make sense, even with the narrative that they're pushing and what we know about these injections. Now, what we continue to see, just a couple small examples, are this kind of reality for children, middle age, elderly, everybody. Everybody. Energetic schoolboy, eight years old, dies suddenly, leaving family broken. Died suddenly. Like, and, and just to cut to the chase, he woke up at home with a shortness of breath, was found to be in cardiac arrest. I mean, how many data points that correlate exactly with what we're seeing from the injections have to be found before we ask the question? I'm not saying I know for sure what happened to this kid because they're going to die before they let you know whether or not he was vaccinated, which, by the way, is the opposite of what's happening in the beginning. Isn't that funny? Forcing you to admit yourself. No, you can't know. That's not fair. It's just everything's completely inverse the moment they want it to. And that makes sense. The frustrating part about this is that eight-year-olds don't have cardiac arrest in the middle of the night in the vast majority of cases unless they have some other problem. And guess what? We don't see that here. These are the SIDS and SADs, unexplainable deaths. It's not unexplainable if you find a heart problem. That's not what's happening. We're seeing these kind of things, and then we're seeing myocarditis or other problems that are, crea- that are being caused by this situation. There's no pre-existing issue. But it's everywhere, guys. It is literally everywhere. And we are watching this, and people are allowing it to happen. And then, of course, we end with the study that I showed you earlier. This is the study. Toxic 
epidermal necrosis. Necrosis. After first dose of Pfizer Biotech vaccination with pharmacogenomic testing. Here's the child. Somebody on Twitter, by the way, and I didn't didn't mean to be so curt with them, were like, I don't know, this looks fake. (laughs) And they might have, I don't think they were trying to be mean. I just kind of got, I'm frustrated today with how ridiculous this all is and how people are acting like we weren't all saying this in 2020, but that this is, it's, we need to do our due diligence today. And the point was in the link that he, the tweet he was responding to, the link to the study was right there. So instead of jumping to jumping to respond and say, it looks fake to me, do look at the link, look at it, reverse engineer the picture, you know, take the time to do your own due diligence, be your own research. Don't rely on other people. The bottom line though, is this is something that's happening all over the place. This is a young child is 40% of her skin decoupling from her body. This is an autoimmune problem, guys. We are watching the immune problems that this study is proving to you. Innate immune suppression by mRNA injections, which is exactly what she got manipulated into taking. And despite all of that, this was yesterday. The mayor of Washington, D.C. says, guess what, guys? No vaccine passport. Still, by the way, no education. Even for virtual learners. So this is the equivalent of making women on maternity leave pay, get paid less and take a pay cut despite them being allowed to come back to work. Or in that case, though, that was different. Australia was the pay cut for teachers. The the maternity leave one was that they were going to have to pay for something, the, the leave money they got. And the bottom line is that's just simply, that is my ball, I'm going home. That is literally childish vitriol. Why would virtual learners need a vaccine passport because you've decided they have to get vaccinated. Who cares if it's not, the passport should be, it, by the way, not even existence, but if you're going to engage with the group in the area they've controlled, that's the logic to it. So you can check to make sure they're not bringing something into other people. So why would the kid that's going to be at home and never go to school, would you demand they have a passport so they can enter the virtual learning? Because they need you to have a digital ID. They need you to do what they think is right for you, whether it's virtue signaling or the larger agenda. It's ridiculous. You are taking action against children because you are mad about the fact that you're losing the narrative because you're being told that you're wrong because you're being re- you're suddenly realizing at some part of your brain that you made the wrong choice, that the injections you took are bad for you, that the mask you're wearing is hurting you. Gee, I wonder, that's probably why my teeth are falling out. My breath smells. And they just don't care because they don't want to admit it to themselves. This is mind-blowing. The fact, I mean, some people don't even realize vaccine passports are still happening. A lot of the people that got their injections and are walking around like this pandemic's been over for a week or a month or whatever don't realize this stuff is still happening because they pretend it all went away because the narrative told them to think that. This is crazy. The fact that they're still forcing passports on children shows you this has nothing to do with science. Now, last point. Djokovic, we've talked about, I was actually blown away by this because at first it was the argument was, well, they pro- they're probably going to let him play now because, well, the guidance changed. If there's no difference in the guidance for vaccinated or unvaccinated, shouldn't matter then, right? Except it does because they want to make a point. Djokovic has been banned from the U.S. Open because he's choosing not to take the injections, even though we already saw multiple other tennis players have heart attacks and breathing problems and no, totally just fake news unrelated. Certainly possible. But then they go, well, you know, it doesn't matter anymore. If you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, the guidance is the same. Okay, that's to, in the minds of the trust the science crowd, that's the science because the CDC said so. So then when the U.S. Open decides we're not going to let them in, that's in their game not trusting the science. 
That's trusting their own opinion of what he should have had to do to play. And I did, so he has to. That is not science. That is dogma. That is doctrine. That is adhering to what you believe. And this is like, this is religion, guys. It's unbelievable. Let me play this clip and then we'll end with this. It's actually really about COVID paranoia, draconian governance, and the continued crushing of personal liberties in the name of keeping us safe. Tennis just happens to be the focus of this story. Novak Djokovic probably would have won more Grand Slam tennis titles than any other player in history, except he was booted out of Australia earlier this year in a confusing and politicised COVID management stunt, leaving Rafael Nadal to win the Australian Open. And okay. Since then, the Joker has won Wimbledon and he's now one title behind Nadal. But he's refused to get vaccinated in order to travel to New York for the US Open. Look, more than two years into this pandemic, with all we know about its impacts and treatments and all we know about vaccines and transmission, this is inexplicable and inexcusable. That the US should have rules like this is just bizarre. John McEnroe is absolutely right. Djokovic should be allowed to play in the US. I mean, what are they afraid of? That I mean, don't, and again, don't forget, it's not like this is the guidance from before. They've already got, they've been forced to admit that, the, that, they, that it's, there's no difference at this point. Even though the reality is that you're wildly more protected right now if you don't have any of that garbage in your body. That's what the data has been showing. That's what the peer review study is. We just looked at. But the reality is that they're doing it to him anyway. Even though they just said it doesn't matter. That's simply punitive. That's political. I mean, they, they, this needs to, this should have been called out in, in a congressional setting. Like, how were you refusing him when the science, you know, the quote, the science, the CDC statement says that you shouldn't? I mean, that, that should be a crime. You're choosing to make him not play. That's like, that should be racism or bigotry. Like, it's what it is. But they don't care. The disease might get in. Over a million Americans have died. Nearly a hundred million of them have had the infection. The vaccinated still get infected and they still transmit the disease, as you know. If Djokovic is a risk to anyone, he's a risk to himself. And I reckon at his age and his state of fitness, he might just back his chances. Look, you know what I would say? What I would say to the self-obsessed power trippers in the US bureaucracy, to the US politicians, to the COVID panic merchants, to the power grabbers and nanny staters, they are everywhere, even in the land of the free and the home and the brave. And what I would say to them is this. Fuck, you can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious. Yeah, it's almost beyond belief. John McEnroe on the money again. Just let Djokovic in, let the bloke in, and let him play. Nope, not going to happen. They can't allow it because that's a bigger win for everybody. That's going to make a big statement. Even though they're quiet, changing of the restrictions or the guidance that they just played off as not a minor change, despite it being a 180, this would make a big statement and people would see it. The normies would see it and they had to put that down. And don't forget who one of the chief sponsors is of the U S open Moderna, but nothing to see here, guys, no big deal, not political at all. Of course not. Just trust the science, trust the government and allow yourself to die for their cause. Right. 
like, you know, like going to fight in Iraq or Syria, right? Go over there and pretend it's for a good cause and allow them to use your body for whatever they want. It's the same difference here where the war is now on your body as Whitney Webb coined a long time ago. Your body is the new battlefield. That's where we are. Hopefully this will reach some people. Hopefully we can make a difference because you know what? You already have more so, I should say, of a difference because you already have. You've already changed everything and they see that and it drives them crazy. But that does not mean they're giving up. That's never the case. Now is the most important time to capitalize on what people are seeing and show them everything else. Thank you for being here, guys, and continuing to fight for the truth. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Is brought to you by Pfizer. CBS Health Watch, sponsored by Pfizer. Anderson Cooper 360. Brought to you by Pfizer. ABC News Nightline. Brought to you by Pfizer. Making a difference. Brought to you by Pfizer. CNN Tonight. Brought to you by Pfizer. Early start. Brought to you by Pfizer. Friday night on Aaron Burnett out front. Brought to you by Pfizer. This week with George Stephanopoulos is brought to you by Pfizer. This letter report brought to you by Pfizer. Today's countdown to the royal wedding is brought to you by Pfizer. And now a CBS Sports update brought to you by Pfizer. Meet the press. Data download. Brought to you by Pfizer. This portion of CBS This Morning sponsored by Pfizer. On how to find the hidden sugars in the American family diet. Sponsored by Pfizer. Bill Gates' advice on how to combat mistrust in science at 60minutesovertime.com. Sponsored by Pfizer.